Mark 7, 24 through 30. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. We're talking about Jesus here. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and she found the child lying in bed and the demon had gone. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all of the good things that you have done this year in our lives. I thank you for this word this morning that's on the spreadsheet and you have something for us in it. And I pray that it would transition us into a beautiful time of thanksgiving. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. So, did you like that? I mean, was that just the warm fuzzies you were hoping to get from the Lord as this woman comes and pleads with Jesus for help? Um, I didn't like it at first. You know, last week, Jimmy preached about clean and unclean. And the Pharisees had all these ideas about what made someone clean or unclean. And Jesus took those traditions of men and he just... He just threw them on the ground and stomped out their flame. I mean, Jesus had no love for this oral tradition that had been tacked on and added to to God's word. But it seems like in this passage, when nobody's looking, way off in the region of Tyre, that, that he's getting on board with them, doesn't it? I mean, here we are just a few verses later and it seems like Jesus is projecting the same idea that the Pharisees would have had about this woman a filthy dog well as usually is the case the more I looked at this passage the more clarity I got as I read different commentaries and studied and prayed I began to see and understand Jesus's words differently and as I looked at this woman In her beautiful, humble faith, I began to see how Mark is teaching us about purpose and humility and, yes, even thankfulness. Now, in the few minutes we have this morning, I I only want to accomplish two things, okay? So let's let's set the bar a little low. After all, it's a homily, right? Um, I want us to get a clear understanding of what is going on in this short passage. That's goal number one. I hope that we can do that together. Um, And I want us to meditate briefly, just briefly, before we give our own thanks at the heart of this woman and compare it to our own. I pray this will be the transition we need to go into our time of thanksgiving. So let's do that. Let's see if we can understand this short passage better, and then let's, let's just live with this woman for a minute, okay? 
So what's going on here? Uh, Jesus and his disciples are seeking rest. Do you remember this? Do you remember right before Jesus feeds the 5,000? Does anybody remember? If your Bible's open to Mark 6, you could tell me. Does anybody remember what Jesus said to the disciples? What, what should we go and do? What does he say? Anybody? Come away what? Yeah, to a desolate place and get some rest. I mean, even back in chapter 6, Jesus and the disciples, I mean, they've not even had time to eat. There were so many people coming to them, and they want to rest. And so they go to this desolate place, and what happens? Well, the crowds follow. Jesus ends up seeing them as people like sheep without a shepherd, and he takes care of them and he feeds them. And now here again, Jesus and his disciples, now they've gone even further out into the Gentile regions, and they've entered a house, and they're, gonna, they're not going to try to hide from the people necessarily, but the, Jesus wants to be away for a while with his disciples. But to no avail because his reputation has preceded him. Um, elsewhere in the Gospels, we see that people from the same region had, had been present when Jesus had preached and when he had healed people, and yes, even when he had cast out evil spirits. So when people notice that Jesus has come to this region and he's staying in this specific house, this Gentile woman goes immediately to him. You see, her little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit. Her little daughter. Her little baby. Was it a spirit of muteness like we see? Maybe she spoke to her daughter and she didn't respond. Or, or was it something uglier? Was she convulsing and possibly hurting herself or others? And depending on her age, was she screaming out obscenities? Was she cursing God and his prophet? Yes. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know what this possession led to, but whatever it was, it was hideous. It would be a hideous scene. It would be a heart-wrenching life for this woman. And she's desperate. She comes to Jesus. She falls down at his feet, and the text says she begged Begged him, begged Jesus, cast this demon out of my daughter. There's no, Lord, if you're willing, you could. It's things like we see elsewhere in the Gospels. No, this is just prostrate, on the ground, weeping and begging, Jesus, save my daughter. Makes sense so far. And then Jesus speaks, let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What? <laughs> what? I mean, what about a bruised reed he will not break? What about a, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out? Where is our meek and mild and gentle and compassionate and loving Jesus in this moment? Where is he? Again, is Jesus getting on board with the Pharisees now? Does he view this poor woman as an unclean, filthy, outcast dog, unworthy of his time and attention? <laughs> no. No, far from it. Now, there's a lot of background here that we could get into, 
but I'm gonna limit my comments to only a few. First, un to understand this statement, we have to understand Jesus's mission. We have to. In Matthew's account of this event, Jesus says an extra thing to the woman. He says that he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now we know from the rest of scriptures, particularly the book of Acts, that the grace and peace won by Jesus Christ on the cross, it is going to pour into the Gentile world, into the Czech Republic, right? But not yet. At this moment in redemptive history, the Messiah is being presented and offered to the Jews. These first century Jews, by and large, they're going to reject this Messiah. Nevertheless, the ministry Jesus has been given before the cross is to proclaim the kingdom to Israel. Okay, so that's why he says the children must be fed first, but what about this dog, com this dog comment? I mean, isn't that offensive? It would be to us. It's, is it offensive? Is it unnecessary? Maybe not. You see, it helps to know what kind of dog Jesus is referring to. Now stay with me. <laughs> that doesn't sound a lot better. Early this week, I was imagining in this scene a mangy mutt digging in a trash heap outside Jerusalem. That's not the dog he's talking about. Now that's how the Pharisees might have viewed this woman, but that is not what Jesus is saying. The word he uses here, it's referring to the little dogs or the house dogs or the beloved pet dogs. These are the dogs that hang around the feet of the children during dinner time and pick up the crumbs that the kids drop. These are the dogs invited into the house and they will be fed, but in the correct order and way. Jesus says, let the children be fed first, not only. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. You see, this statement, listen, this statement is not as much about the nature of this woman as it is the manner and order in which the gospel of Jesus comes. Now, listen, we have a dog. Does anybody have a dog? Lots of people. Listen, we have our little house dog, our little puppy dog. She's a 50-pound lab pit mix, but she's our little dog. Her name's Lacey. We call her Lele. There's so much affection for her. Now, I want you to imagine for just a minute that 21 years ago when Sarah and I were married, we were overjoyed with the blessing of marriage that God had put in our lives, that we, he had given us to one another, and we sent out invitations December 1st, 2019, there will be a feast. That was 21 years later, by the way. There's going to be a feast. It's going to be amazing. There's, there's going to be this table, and what's going to be spread upon it is beyond anything that you can imagine. And you're all invited to this. And these, these invitations, they go out, but only to our family. So they go out to parents, they go out to brothers and sisters, and they go out to cousins, and it's the, the Parker Schwigger Feast. And it's going to be glorious, and it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be December 1st, 2019. So, so 
December 1st, 2019 comes. I mean, the expectation has been building and building and building. Everybody's excited because they know how good my food is. And so they put on their Christmassy stuff and they get in their car. Some of them drive. Some of them are flying from out of town because this feast has been so renowned for so long. People are looking forward to it. And everyone comes in and there are 60 or 70 people at this enormous table. And I walk in with this platter. And I mean, people are salivating. There's steam coming out from underneath the edges of the platter. And I walk into the kitchen and I open the lid and beautiful cooked meats. If you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry. There are vegetables around it. But there is this amazing feast about to be served. And I take it and Lacey runs in the room and I throw it to her and she tells it out the door, never to be seen again. And I look at them and I walk out with her. There's something wrong about that. That is so wrong. We love Lacey. But the expectation and the invitations and the promises and the longing, they weren't for her. They were for my family. And see, I think this is what Jesus is saying to this woman. Don't try to drag me out to the Gentiles yet. I have a mission to complete first. First, not only. Jesus knows that his gospel, it will go to the ends of the earth and that all the families of the earth will be blessed just as it was promised to Abraham through his offspring, the Messiah. But he's got a cross to go to first before any of that can become a full spiritual or eternal or resurrected body reality. Have you ever noticed what Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17? It's tongue-in-cheek, maybe. Maybe I wouldn't have remembered it until I looked it up. But Paul's about to go into his most clear and longest and most thought-out gospel presentation of all the scriptures and this is what he says for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek Paul is not ashamed of the gospel and he is not ashamed that it was offered to the Jews first and then to the Gentile So for a few moments, if you're still bothered by Jesus' words to this woman, let's give him the benefit of the doubt for just a minute as we see the woman's response. Because I believe her response is the most amazing thing that happens in the conversation. And it solidifies the imagery of this dinner table and these little dogs. She responds, yes, Lord. I mean, we could stop right there, couldn't we? We could stop there, but we won't. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. That is an amazing response. There is a depth of humility in this response that we will not fully explore this morning. Listen, preachers say this all the time, and I think probably bearing little fruit, but I'm going to say it again anyway. I think we should all meditate on this verse later today. 
Read this again. Think about what we've learned about Jew and Gentile and Jesus' mission, and then listen to the response of this woman. It's beautiful. And maybe even this morning, as others are giving thanks, if you don't feel all that thankful, think about this woman. Now, I don't know how much scripture she knew or had been exposed to. There would have probably been Jews living in the area. And some of her people, as I said, have already seen and heard Jesus. They've heard him preach. Maybe she heard some of the things that he had said. Would she have understood Jesus' words about the priority of the gospel going to the Jews first and the, the Gentile? I don't know. I might even say probably not. But here's what's perfectly clear. She is not offended by Jesus. She's desperate, she's humble, she's not offended. She actually falls down at his feet, a posture of submission, worship, and trust. By the way, it's the posture every Jew that came in contact with Jesus should have taken. By the way, it's the posture that we should take. But her response is beautiful. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Translation. This is my paraphrase. Are you ready? I have no status. I have no claim on your goodness. I am not your family. But I believe you are good and powerful. If you will grant me even the crumbs of your goodness, I will be satisfied. The crumbs of your power will heal my little daughter and I will be satisfied. This response, it moved the heart of Jesus. You know, there's actually a long list of Gentiles, especially women, throughout the Old Testament who received the grace of God. Gentile women. But it was always happening in the context of what God was doing in the life of Israel. Rahab was blessed as she aided the Israelite spies. Ruth was blessed as she showed kindness to her mother-in-law. Elijah healed, brought back to life the child of a Syrophoenician woman in 1 Kings 17. And this morning we saw it again. The grace of God spilling over into the Gentile world before the time had really come to do so. Jesus saw her faith, he had compassion, and he healed her daughter. But the time had not really come for that. But it did come. And it's for this reason that we read in John 1.11, listen to this. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. <laughs> did you hear that? Those who were not the children of God, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now most of us in this room are Gentiles. We don't trace our blood lineage back to Father Abraham, do we? We were once the little dogs under the table 
picking up the scraps. No more. For all those who have believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Once we were not a people, and God made us a people through Christ. We're the people of God. And one day, we will sit at a table like I was describing. And you know who we'll sit with? We'll sit alongside of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Cornelius, the centurion, and Ruth, the Moabite, and this Gentile woman who put her faith in Jesus. We'll not be at the feet picking up the crumbs. We'll be the children of God feasting as brothers and sisters of Jesus at this table. So let's give thanks. Lord, we are thankful for these moments where your grace spilled over before it was time, but Lord, we are thankful for the fullness of life that we have in Jesus Christ. We are thankful that we are now the sons and the daughters of God. Be with us as we give thanks this morning Inhabit the praises of your people as we thank you for all you've done. We pray in Christ's name, amen.